Hey guys, another episode of Straight Up Mortgage Talk. We're going to talk about credit and credit repair with Carl Bunch, only person I've trusted with my clients after 28 years in the business. He gets results, he knows his stuff, and you're going to get some great tips from him. So let's get started. Hey Carl, thanks a lot for being on. Um, wanted to get an expert on credit questions because a lot of this comes up with clients. Obviously, it costs them a lot of money if they don't have high credit scores or actually you know, puts them out of being able to buy a house or many other items. And the first question I have as far as credit reports go is, what's kind of the major thing you see in reports um, that really affects the scores, sort of the negative stuff that really hits people? The biggest thing that is going to reduce a person's score um, are recent late payments. If somebody has been recently laid on a credit card, car, mortgage, um, anything, the way the score formulas work, it really reduces their credit score. And the, the bad news is something like that is almost impossible for anybody like me to fix. Um, so when you're talking to somebody like, how do you keep your credit good? The number one thing to do is just do not be late on anything. Even on a credit card, if you just make the minimum payment, um, fine. You know, who cares if it doesn't pay it down that much? But just don't be late on anything because that's the number one thing that's going to kill your score is recent late payments. Awesome. A lot of people don't know this is that utilities can't report before they come a collection. Because if you're tight on budget, and we've had a lot of people, this is, you know, right after COVID where people basically, you know, potentially could have had a significant cut in their income. And like, there's sometimes where like, you're just there. What are you going to do? Well, you know, pay your utilities until they're going to turn them off. Don't pay your utilities until they're going to turn them off and pay your, pay your credit cards and stuff to report to a credit agency. Right. So yes. that's the one, the one, that's the only, the one I always tell people, if you're going to, there's times, right. If yes. you're going to not pay something, don't pay the utilities until they threaten to turn it off. Then maybe talk to them. And the All utility right, so, companies, they'll work with you. If you just call up the electric company and, and like, I know I'm going to be late this month. They'll be like, okay, pay us next month. Yeah. You know, doesn't affect your credit score, guys. That's the, right. that's the hot tip of the day right there. Uh, if you ever get into trouble. Okay. So, so you kind of surprised me because I thought it was going to be like collections and bankruptcies and charge offs and all this stuff. And you like came out of the gate with like, yeah, just late. So like pay your credit on time is the most important thing. So now we get into the other stuff that hits, bankruptcies, uh, foreclosures, collections, and all that kind of stuff. How long, one, we know these have a significant impact, but how long do these things stay on there? For like, how long does the bankruptcy stay on there? Um, how long does the collection stay on there? Because everybody always calls and says, oh, I just don't, I just can ignore it and then it'll be gone after seven years. And then my yes. scores will automatically jump. And I'm like, eh, not so much, call Carl. <laughs> it, it really depends. Uh, a bankruptcy can keep reporting on your credit report for up to 10 years after it's been discharged. Discharge is when it goes through. But um, the thing to remember is um, with public records, and now it's bankruptcies only that shows public records, after it's been reported, it affects your score less and less and less every year, bankruptcies. I've seen people with 800 scores that had bankruptcies five, six years ago, because um, they were perfect afterwards. Now, when you get into collections and charge-offs, um, those things can uh, stay on your credit report for up to seven years after you stop paying, whenever that was. That's when the clock starts. 
But an important thing to keep in mind is um, at some point that collection agency, that credit card company or the car loan company, they're going to stop updating it. So normally when you stop paying something, it's a charge off and every month the credit card company is you know, updating it. But at some point they're gonna stop because it's not worth it for them. They've given up, they've passed it off to some collection agency. And once it stops updating it, then it really affects your score less and less every month as time goes by. Again, I've seen people with really high scores that had a few negatives, but those negatives were hadn't updated in two, three, four, five years. So even though something can stay on seven years, um, it can much earlier that it can stop affecting your or affect your score less and less if the creditor or collection agency stops updating it. Even if they're older, right? I see like they're, uh, it was reported 12 months ago and then all of a sudden 24 months and then you get 36 months. So it's having less and less impact as it goes on. So right. a couple of questions there, because you always kind of taught us something new. It's like, be really careful if you stick the beast in the side, because sometimes leaving that collection sort of untouched, if you can't pay it off or get rid of it, actually even paying it off and bring it current could actually bring your score down. And that's like a bit like, what? That doesn't make sense. But kind of explain that a little bit. Well, um, because... Uh, Again, your you know your your credit score is based on you know what your negatives are, uh, but also how recent they are. That's why I was saying recent late payments is the biggest killer. So if you have an old collection that hadn't updated in two, three, four, or five years, then you contact that collection agency, or let's say the client does, not knowing any better, they mm -hmm. contact the collection agency to pay it, and so the collection agency takes their payment, changes the balance to zero. But now, as they're supposed to do, they update it to today's current date. And that very often could actually make the client score worse because before they had a collection with the balance but hadn't updated in three, four, five years. Now they got a collection with a zero balance, but it's updating right now. And so it's possible in that situation that the client thinks they're doing the right thing, just trying to pay everything but they went and paid something they really shouldn't have touched in the first place. So that's why I always tell uh, you know, realtors or loan officers, let me look at it first because I, there probably are things that the client should settle or pay, but not everything. And so right. um, you know, I'll tell them, pay this, pay that, you know, don't touch that. And it really makes a big difference when the client tries to just dispute everything on their own. You know, because they see on, uh, you know, the, the credit bureau uh, apps or that they can just click and dispute things. Same thing happens. You take that same collection from three, four, five years ago with the balance that hadn't updated in three, four, five years, not affecting that much. And the client's like, well, let me just try and dispute it. I've heard that should work. They dispute it. The collection agency verifies. Yep, that's theirs. And now the collection agency updates it. And the client has just made their score potentially a lot worse when if they just hadn't touched it in the first place, they'd be okay. We could work on the other things. I and see there's that the other thing too, right? So one lenders like me make them remove the dispute anyway, because it's basically not scoring to some degree at times. And so we make them remove the dispute anyway. So throwing in a dispute 
isn't really solving the problem. Now you potentially create a problem by disputing it. And then we make them remove it because we're saying we don't know if we have an accurate score anyway. So right. disputes, unless you're not ready to get a mortgage or do something right now, and it truly is a mistake, it is a quick fix, but it's not going to actually work, period, end of story. Second thing, if those collection companies, right? So charge offs kind of done, right? The company's charged off, they've moved on. There's a set date, it's getting older. But let's say I'm a collection agency. And now, like you said, so people don't understand, but let's say you have XYZ that you didn't pay. They finally give up on, on collecting this and then they sell it to ABC Credit Collection Company for 70 cents on the dollar saying, hey, you can buy this at 70 cents on the dollar. That means any that they collect 100%, they're making 30%. But then they go work it for a while and they decide it's not working that great. This thing's a deadbeat. It's never going to happen. They're going to sell it potentially to another collection company for now 30 cents on the dollar. And that company, if they collect anything over 30 cents on a dollar, they make profit. Every time that's sold, that collection is getting redated and being kept current, correct? Versus a charge off that's already old and the date is set, it will disappear after seven years. That collection can keep staying current because they keep selling it off, right? Well, sometimes. And okay. um, wrong. It <laughs> well, <laughs> it depends on the collection agency. There are legitimate collection agencies that if they pick up uh, a collection that charged off you know, five years ago, they'll put the date at five years on Got the credit it. report. So they only got two years. But then you get further down the ladder of, you know, shadier and shadier collection agencies, and they're going to put the date as the date that they got it. And that's a situation where somebody like myself uh, will look at the credit report and they'll see, I'll see this shady collection agency trying to collect for Capital One, but I'll look on the other accounts and I can see that Capital One charged off, you know, six years ago, or maybe it's not even on there anymore. And then I'll ask the client, well, when did you last have that? Maybe that is done. And this shady collection agency, either on pur purpose or just inadvertently, that's just they have bad records. Now they put it on and, you know, it really shouldn't be on there. So uh, and then I often find clients will they know they had one in the, a Capital One in the past. Like, oh, I guess I should pay these guys and thank you or, uh, you know, where somebody like myself can take the time and look at their report to determine what should be done and what should not be done um, so we can get them wherever they need to be. All right, so I got the question, the million dollar question, because um, this is the, for all those, what do they call them? Uh, DIY people, right? Try to fix your own credit. Um, they, uh, what is the biggest mistake that people make when they try to do this themselves? just disputing everything like you know just a big shotgun approach and just dispute every negative they have on their credit report because very often like we had just talked about they might have a lot of collections that are old and weren't hurting them that much and now they just went and forced the collection agency to to update it and now they just right. made the score worse now but keep in mind even if you do that approach, let's say you have a lot of collections and a lot of negatives. If you use that shotgun approach and just dispute everything, um, you probably will get lucky and, and get some things off. Um, so that's 
that's why that myth kind of gets perpetuated. Oh, just dispute it. It'll come off because sometimes people get lucky and some things do come off, but it's really the, the, the worst way to do it. And like you said, there are so many lenders when they see an account that has a balance and it's got dispute remarks, well, not. if you're disputing it, that's got a balance either Either it's got to be deleted or you're not, you're not, you sure, or you got to say you're not speeding anymore or you right. got to pay it one or the other, because so now lenders have caught on. They're not approving uh, loans or accounts where you have, you know, balances that have dispute remarks. Right. And the, the biggest thing I see people make and the biggest learning curve for me when my clients started working with you many, many, many years ago was that the sort of strategic and sort of scalpel approach to what you go after. So, whereas before people were going out there and, you know, they might have, you know, $20,000 worth of collections and all this stuff and it's overwhelming, right? They're like, holy crap, there's no way I can't do it. I'm just coming out of a bad situation, which is why I had these. Or like me, I was just a dumb young kid and didn't know any better or whatever. But now they come back in there and you can literally go, look, let's dissect this one off. Let's dissect that one off. Let's figure out how we can get rid of some of these. Or, hey, this is a medical collection. So with this company, I know I can get rid of it. But it's that really pinpoint approach to who to go after that's going to get them the highest gains for the dollars spent. And that has been absolutely fantastic because it becomes less overwhelming for the client when they think like it's not gonna be this huge thing they're dealing with and they can actually afford or at least work towards that goal. If it's, what are they, what was the, the book? You know, they can eat the elephant one bite at a time but they don't even have to eat the whole elephant because they can leave two thirds of it alone and still get the credit scores and the results we need to get them into a home or refinance or whatnot, just fixing their credit. Yeah, and you know, prior to the 2008 recession, um, the shotgun approach was actually a very efficient approach because back then, uh, all you needed to get the client was over to 580, and they could do a stated <laughs> income. So if they could fog a mirror. We could get them a loan. Correct. And so prior to that recession, that whole approach just disputed. Whatever comes off, great. If you go to over 580, you're in. Um, but uh, of course that does not exist anymore. And so now you have to do it more strategically and also it's strategic in the sense of what score is required. Like if right. somebody, if you say, I got this VA program, we just want them at 620. Okay. Well then for this client, we just have to do this and that. But if you say for the exact same client, well, they want to go conventional at 680. Okay, that's entirely different. Now right, we're going to have right. to fix this and that. So when when I give an estimate, I need to know uh, what score that the loan officer is looking for, because that's totally going to determine what I'm going to uh, tell the client of what we can do or what I'm going to try to fix. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's true because we come to you and say, look, they can't do FHA. They're trying to buy in San Bernardino County and the loan limit's not high enough. We got to get them up to a 680 for a conventional. Or, you know, on a VA, hey, you know, the scores are much more lenient because it's insured by the VA administration. The funding fee on that is awesome. They can have lower credit scores. We just need them up above the 600s. Let, let's just get them there. So on that note, if somebody has 
which most of us do, limited dollars to spend, and we want to get our credit repaired or up the fastest. And again, everybody's situation is different, but what are some of the most effective ways to, to sort of quickly or strategically impact credit scores? What are, what are, the, what are the, like the low-hanging fruit? Well, let's say for somebody, let's say somebody is uh, not going to use me. And so I'm just right. giving really good advice to any person that you know, wants to you know, do a few things on their own. So mm -hmm. the important thing to keep in mind is uh, you, you know, your credit score is the summation of your positive things and your negative things. So you're going to try and increase your positive things and you're going to try to decrease your negative things. And right off the bat, uh, people need to know whether or not they have any positive things. I'll see a credit report and they just don't have any revolving credit cards, you know, nothing current. And uh, a credit card is a big part of that formula. So they're missing out a lot of points. So they can just go get a secured credit card from their bank or online through Capital One or First Premier and create a revolving account on their account. That's going to boost their score up quite a bit if they don't have one. On also in revolving accounts, if they have a family member that has credit cards that have low balances, they've had them for a long time, never been late, that family matter member can add them as an authorized user. Now that whole credit history appears on the client's credit report and again, boosts it up dramatically in a very short period of time. And, you know, the family member doesn't have to give them an actual credit card. I tell people, you, you, can, you can put your kid on there. You don't even have to give them the card. You can cut it up as soon as it gets there. But I did it does that. help them get that extra credit history. And, and my, my son who help, is helping record this, you know, had a higher FICO score than me when he was in college because I did exactly that. I put them on yep. cards that we hardly ever use that we'd had for, you know, 15 years, but it helped um, him as an authorized user, you know, that score jumped. In fact, he didn't have a lot of other credit. So it, it really helped give him history and stuff like that. Um, that's, a, that's a really good one. And again, I think people have to understand that and they, maybe they can share this with their family members too, is that it won't affect their credit. Like if your parents add you to an authorized user account, it won't affect their credit okay. because you're gonna basically not give them a card. They're, it's how you pay that credit card. It's all right. about your credit card balance. It's, you're, not, you're not giving them that credit. The kid's not gonna pay that credit or the family member or whatnot. It's just your credit card and you're just basically giving them a little bit of a, a leg up when they don't have a credit history. Because a lot of people, this is a really good thing. You know, yeah, we can pay the collections. We can, you know, the biggest thing is like, hey, what can you do first? Pay your bills on time. Because like you said, recent lates gonna mess you up. Badly. Don't, don't pay, you know, I hate to say it, but like, yeah, uh, blinding flash of the obvious, first pay your credit on time. Because it's like all of a sudden people, well, I was trying to pay these collections and that's why I was 30 and 60 day late on my new accounts. Like, no, you just shot yourself in the foot. You know, so it's like, you can't do that. You've got to sort of get rid of those things. But the so important is that new credit. Because a lot of people, well, I screwed up his credit as a kid. And so I just stopped using, I pay cash for everything. Well, you can't get a mortgage now because nobody's seen if you've like grown up and now you can actually use credit successfully, but you want to come in and get a three, four, five hundred thousand dollar mortgage now. How do they know whether they can sort of like if you can handle credit now if you don't show some? So you mentioned right. something, and it's funny, Karen and I, who's helping with this as well, just had this conversation. I said, you can't just go to any bank and get a credit card 
the secured credit cards. So secured credit cards, so people don't know what that is, is I give you $500 Capital One, you give me a credit limit of that $500. Right. I now have a credit report rating that's going to show new credit successfully because now you don't pay this late. You're technically borrowing your own money, but it shows up just like a credit card. You have to make sure, and Capital One's my favorite, but you have to make sure that it's going to show up, one, not as a secured credit card, just as a regular credit card, and that it's not just like a glorified ATM deposit card, right? Where you go to the bank, they give you a visa, but that doesn't really show up on your credit card or on your credit report, right? I don't know how you'd tell that other than I always tell people Capital One because I know that's how they do their secured credit cards. The difference between the two is what uh, you're thinking about is what's called a prepaid Visa card. That's okay. where you get a card and you can basically just keep filling it up and then it allows you to go around and use it when you need it. That type of card does not appear in your credit report. So you do want to uh, get make sure you're getting a secured credit card because um, that's the type of card that will show up on your credit report. And even though it will say on your credit report, secured credit card, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Okay, it, still, it still helps your score just the same as if it was a regular credit card. As far as the formulas are concerned, there's no difference. They're both I didn't know that. account. Yeah. Capital and, One, by the way, doesn't say secure, just, but it, it is. But even so if it does. I'm, yeah. So what I'm talking, and that's, that's awesome. Again, I'm, I, every time I do one of these, I learn something new, right? From you. That's why I have you. I just like call Carl because I know how to do loans. He knows how to do credit. On the secured credit cards, what I'm talking about is like you have an ATM card, but it also shows up as a visa, right? You can use it as a visa. That's not a secured credit card. And so they have to use the language, I want a secured credit card. Because just having a visa slash ATM from your bank and they think they're reestablishing credit, they're not, unless it is in fact a secured credit card. And one of the problems is that the banks, they don't always know the difference of what you're talking about. Some, yeah, because a bank might, they might offer a prepaid visa and they think that's what the client wants. Um, So it's very important that the client uses that term, secured credit card. And there's there's not a whole lot of banks that offer it. You have uh, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citibank, US Bank, and Comerica Bank are about the only Southern California banks that offer it. And then I always tell clients, you can go online, Capital One or First Premier, um, any one of those, you know, once once you get it. And keep in mind, you'll, for almost all of those, they'll get the deposit back in a couple of years and that card will become right. a regular credit card. So um, it's not, you know, it's not like a waste, like, oh, it's only going to be a secured credit card. No, it'll actually mature into a regular one. Just don't mess up. Um, yeah, right. Granted, you pay them on time, they'll raise your limit and they'll move that money into a savings account or send it back to you or whatever else. Right. But you can't mess up. So, right. you know, that's that's super important to know. And the other thing important to know in these secure because people don't understand, like just getting, you know, having the lates get older, you know, paying off the collections or charge ups or whatever you say they need to pay. That's that's like an important part of the formula, but reestablishing that credit, the secured credit cards, paying your bills on time is a huge piece of the puzzle, reducing your revolving balances as compared to what your limit is. That's a super huge part of this deal that people have to understand. So the get the secured credit card, maybe you've given them 500 bucks, 
You can't also all of a sudden go out there and immediately charge up 400 to try to get your $500 back. And now you're 75% utilized. You also have to make sure you're keeping that 25 to 30, what is it? 25 or 30% or less utilized right of your limit, right? So yeah. that's super important. People go out there, well, I got a secure credit card. Great. And now you've got $505 balance on the five, you know, on the $500 limit you had. You didn't help yourself. Like no. you need to make sure, like any credit you use, you're you're using it smart, utilizing it, paying it off monthly, keeping it under twenty five percent of the actual maximum to really have the biggest of impact on increasing your scores. Right? Yeah. If you know, if you're trying to uh, you know get approved for something, you know, mortgage, car, whatever, then yes, get your credit card balances, all of them down to like 20, 30% um, for that duration. But Correct. in general, like if somebody's not trying to, you know, get a mortgage in the short term or a car or whatever, and they do need to, you know, put a refrigerator on their credit card or if, even if it's right. gonna max them out, whatever, okay? You need to do that. That's what, that's what it's there for. Um, right. But when you're trying to buy a house, um, you have got to get all of your credit card balances down because the credit scores, they add them all up. So they, they put the sum of your balances divided by the sum of your credit limits. There's a utilization. So you got to get them all down to 20, 30 percent. And exactly. you know, going back to what we were talking about, what what somebody could do on their own. Um, now that we've talked about the positive things, if they start looking at the negative things, what I would tell them is, um, if you can identify, you know, which collections or charge offs just haven't updated in a, a year or so and just don't touch those. Um, but for the ones that are still updating every month, I would say start with the ones with the smallest balance, call them up and try to settle with them. Try to generally offer them like 20%. If you can get it down to like 50 or 60% and you got the budget, do it. And, uh, also, try to get them to agree to delete it after you pay it. Um, surprisingly, some of them will agree. Um, and if they don't or they won't give you much of a discount, just say, I'll get back to the future and move on to the next one. Uh, that's what I would tell somebody if they were, you know, just basic things to do on their own. So that brings up a question, right? Because you just said that, but I think there's a little bit of backstory to that. The collection that's 50 bucks doesn't hit you any, you know, worse or less than the one that's like 5,000, right? I mean, it's a collection is a collection. Yeah. I don't think they're weighted by the balance owed. And so that's why you're telling them, start off at the lowest, see who will delete and who will do it. Because the fact of the matter is if you get your score up at a certain point by using $2,000, and you never even touched the $5,000 collection that, you know, right. car that was repoed or whatever it was, That's right. you're actually going to have, you know, if you get rid of three collections, it doesn't matter what balances they were. And I always tell people like you could have a $10 collection and you lost 50 to hundred points. And they go like, That's ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah. So getting into, this is like my, the moral of the story too, with people is like, don't get into some sort of ridiculous fight over 10 bucks because it's gonna cost you way more money than, oh, I'm not gonna pay that late fee. And the late fee becomes a collection. I'm like, you know what? Those people 
are gonna, you're gonna end up with a higher interest rate on everything after that. And it'll cost you potentially thousands and thousands of dollars on a mortgage because you wanted to get over, like get into it after you paid it. First of all, you have a much better chance of having success if you've already paid it because they're like, now this person's not just trying to get out of a $10 bill. They paid it and they're still fighting it. You're more likely to get your 10 bucks back than if you're fighting it when it's still on there. So right. that that's great information because that, that it's really hard to perceive, even for me, why a smaller credit collection would have the same impact as a larger one. Like just, it's just like logical that's, doesn't make sense to people. That's just how they set up the formulas, really. Um, it, it's, you know, with revolving, they look at your balance, your credit limit. Right. With installment, it's just, you know, what's your uh, monthly payment? With collections, it's almost like how many do you got? which ones are updated recently and that's how they affect the, the score. And so that's why, you know, when I have a, a client, uh, you know, trying to buy a house, well, they need to save as much money as they can for the, the purchase or even after they get the house. Right. So my goal is like, how can I get their score high enough using the least amount of their funds? It'd be easy if I could just tell them, yeah, let's pay everything and I'll delete what I can and, you know, we'll get you there. But why I don't, that doesn't really do the client or the realtor or the loan officer any good. I, I need to fix our credit for the least amount of money possible. Yeah. Awesome. So anything we haven't covered, I mean, uh, obviously there's a lot more and every situation's individual. Um, and so, you know, really they're going to have to kind of call you and go over their individual situation. I mean, this is really, like I said, how to manage it with a scalpel versus, you know, a sort of shotgun effect on these things to really be effective, spend the least amount of money to have the biggest impact on your credit scores. And of course, my mission to get people into homes. So how do people get a hold of you? Uh, I see your cbcredit at gmail.com on the screen. Again, people are listening to this and not looking at our beautiful faces on, you know, the different kinds of uh, media that we're sending out. But again, that's CB. Um, like Carl Bunch, like the first two letters, uh, cbcredit at gmail.com. And you also have cbcredit.com uh, is your basically website too, if they want to kind of see who you are and stuff. Is that right? Uh, the website is cbcredit.repair. Dot repair. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so is it actually in a dot repair? Yeah. I went I cbcredit.repair. Uh, yeah. I'll be dang. Check that yeah. out. And what I, uh, I guess in, in closing, what I would like to say to people that are watching or listening that are in the real estate business, in the loan business, is that, uh, you know, keep in mind that the credit score requirements really haven't changed much since the 2008 recession. No. So right now, um, if you've got a potential client, it really shouldn't be oh, how's your credit? It should be, how's your income? Because if they have the income, I can almost always find a path to get right. their credit up. And so if you know, you're a realtor, you're in the mortgage business, you really should be looking at people with bad credit as another revenue stream, another part of your pipeline. <laughs> because again, if they've got the income, um, I can find a way to get their score up. It might not be in 30 days. It might be yeah, 90, yeah. it might be 120, 
But if you got a client, you know, three or four months from now, then are you really going to turn them away or turn them down? That's right. the whole point of having, you know, a, a pipeline is to have, you know, clients coming in three or four months from now. So um, if you're in the real estate business, you're in the loan business, think about those people that have bad credit and maybe do a little bit of uh, reaching out, marketing, whatever, mentioning that. And when you get those, get them over to me so I can give you a free estimate. I look at the credit reports. I'll give you a free estimate as far as what it would cost, uh, what it would charge, realistically where we can get their score. And let's see if we can turn them into clients for you and close some loans. And I always tell people, I say, you know what? Two things I tell them. One, when they call me, if you're willing, it's not about if, it's about when. And it doesn't, and, it, and, and the second thing I tell them when they have credit issues is it didn't happen overnight that you've affected your credit score and it doesn't happen overnight to fix it. But we can fix it a heck of a lot faster than you did, you know, to get it to, to yes. the lower scores, right? We, yep. we, we can probably get that done in a tenth of the time than it took them to get into the situations they're in. So we're all about getting people back on track, getting them in homes and uh, getting their credit scores. So Carl, thank you very much for your time. This is super informative. I always love when I learned something too. So, and I always, I learned a lot today from you. Talk well, you're to very you welcome. Soon. All right, talk to you soon. You bet, bye now.